Welcome to the podcast Game Changers with Jeff Newkirk, formerly known as Understandable Solutions. I'm your host, Jeff Newkirk. We have a very special and important episode today. We have with us Rebecca Carey, founder of the Hands of Justice nonprofit. And before we get started, I want to thank my very special sponsor, Outstanding DNA. Now, Outstanding DNA is underwear on a mission. It's ultra-comfortable performance skivvies made right here in the USA. Now, you might ask, Jeff, why do you have Outstanding DNA as a sponsor? Well, they're very special people, and they have a very important mission. 22 veterans die by suicide every day. You might not know that. That's a pretty big number. Outstanding DNA apparel reminds us that we are all outstanding. And Outstanding DNA is dedicated to ending the suicide epidemic with a portion of all sales going to suicide prevention in partnership with Fob Razor, which is a veteran and first responder peer support program. I'm very passionate about helping our veterans, so please check out Outstanding DNA. Now, if you support the mission of Outstanding DNA and you go to outstandingdna.com, your first order, you'll get 15% off with the code SOLUTIONS, S-O-L-U, T-I-O-N-S, and that's Outstanding DNA. All right, Rebecca Carey, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. And get us started a little bit. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing, what brings you here. Well, um, I am the founder of Hands of Justice, which is an anti-trafficking nonprofit organization here in Montgomery County. Um, I am also a survivor of domestic sex trafficking. So a, a subject that is so sensitive, so we, ne- we never hear about it. I'm passionate about it. We need to build awareness. So tell us a little bit more. Well, I think um, human trafficking is a, a large subject. It's, it's heavy, it's dark. People don't really want to talk about it, but it is one of those subjects that you need to talk about. Um, if you don't know, um, Houston is a hub for trafficking. So, so we're, we're here in Houston, and sorry to interrupt, but I want to kind of put context into this. Mm-hmm. Houston is really one of the most significant areas for human trafficking, correct? Yes, in the top five cities in the, in the United States, yes. So give us some, do you have some numbers that you can share? Like I can give you state numbers. Yeah, so okay. um, they say about 313,000 um, people, individuals, are victims of trafficking in the state of Texas. 79,000 of those are considered children. So, so, so hold on. Let's just, just for, you know, put it again, keeping this in context and putting it in perspective. 313,000 people mm-hmm. in the state of Texas. Just in the state of Texas. And 79,000 are children under the age of 18, yes. So that would be like um, three times the city of the Woodlands. Yeah. Because the Woodlands is about 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty scary. Yeah, in the city limits of Houston, about 2,900 people are sold every day or bought for sex every day. That's a, if you add those numbers up, that's a lot of people being um, exploited. 2,900 people yeah. per day? Within the uh, city limits, yes. So, again, this is a very important subject. It's something that 
I feel very strongly about. Um, we need to build awareness. We need to get people engaged. We need to get people educated on this. Mm-hmm. Um, now, tell us a little bit more about Hands of Justice and how you came about to find or the founder as the founder of Hands of Justice. Right. So I started Hands of Justice about five years ago, and uh, this month actually. So we're congratulations. Um, it took me um, a long time. I think with my, my past of being a survivor or a victim, um, really kind of even self-identifying that I was a victim, it took me 15 years after the fact, after I got away from my abuser, to self-identify. And when I did that, um, I started researching the subject more and more, and I, I was just flabbergasted that this was happening to so many men, women and children, I mean millions, and hardly anybody was really out there doing anything about it nobody talks about it nobody talks about it no or if they do talk about it they're talking about what they see on tv or hear in um, news articles and it's very uh, inaccurate it's either outdated or just completely false and so there's a lot of myths going around um, with human trafficking and what it really looks like and that's um that's a sad reality that's why education is so important Um, yeah so if you don't mind just define for us human trafficking. It is the exploitation of an individual for either commercial sex or labor by means of force, fraud, or coercion. So one of those three elements has to be in play for it technically to be considered trafficking. That's for anybody over the age of 18. Um, If there is an individual who's being um, forced or deceived or tricked um, or blackmailed into force, fraud, or coercion that's under the age of 18, force, fraud, or coercion does not have to be proven. Um, they are automatically considered a victim. So it gets, it gets a little tricky there, but yeah. you just have to remember force, fraud, and coercion. Those okay. are the three elements. Yeah, and then, of course, we hear the term sex trafficking, right. which is a part of human trafficking. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of different areas within trafficking. There's, there's yeah. uh, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, there's organ trafficking, there's torture trafficking. Uh, but the main two in the United States are going to be labor and sex trafficking. It's just such a such a dark subject. Now, uh, you know, setting you, you, you've talked about your background, mm-hmm. and certainly you share whatever you want to share or not. What you know, sure. it's up, totally up to you. But I want to tell you, you are an incredible inspiration. Oh, thank you. I mean, the first time I heard you talk, uh, man, it was it was pretty emotional, you know, for for me and. Uh, so I, I just, I so admire everything that you've done, and I'm thankful for what you've done, and just keep going, man. Thank you. It is so important. And uh, I'm proud to be a part of Hands of Justice. We're so glad so you thank are. You. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to, to be a part of this a very important organization. Um, okay, so give us, give us a, a, some idea of what, what, do we need to look for if we feel like somebody is being trafficked? Like, are there signs? Yes, and um, I always start off by telling people that this, the signs, you have to know what to look for, of course, but if you're around somebody who appears to be struggling in any way, and they appear to need help, then try and get them help, because it could be trafficking, it could be something else. So a lot of these signs that I'm gonna tell you about um, may not be indicative of trafficking, but again, it's going to say that this person is struggling. There's something going on. Something going on. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, but like, if, if it doesn't look right, mm -hmm. smell right, yeah. it's probably it looks not strange, right. It's strange. It's not, yeah. Okay. But some of the main reads are ways to identify it. And, you know, things like a child uh, being exhausted all the time, falling asleep in school, uh, bedwetting, those are all signs of abuse. Somebody who's um, either very, very withdrawn or over-sexualized, so it can be either end of the spectrum. Um, you're going to look for people that have suffer from abuse uh, signs like bruises, cuts, burns. Somebody who's malnourished. Um, there's branding involved, which um, if you don't know what that is, that is uh, a lot of traffickers brand their victims. And that's yeah, so, so tell us, how, how does that happen? Like, where, what, what would be a brand? Brand is a tattoo. It's a tattoo. And they are okay. branding them like cattle. So normally they put them in places that can be seen. So normally on their wrist or on their neck. And it is an unspoken language between traffickers. So if they see a um, a brand on a girl, they know that girl's already taken. And is that brand, is it a letter or is it some kind of a symbol? Unfortunately, or? they're all different. There's gang symbols. The crown is a big one. Um, the name of the pimp um, or trafficker can be on, on there. Uh, a brand. There's also barcodes. There's there's just a lot of different ones that are specific to trafficking. But again, it can look like anything that the trafficker wants it to look like. So I was I was in uh, I think a convenience store a week or so ago, and I, I remember you saying that about the brand, and it could be behind the ear. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman, a young woman, in the store that had a tattoo behind her ear. Yeah. And you know I didn't want to make a big deal out of it but I was kind of looking trying to see what it and I had no I, I couldn't tell what it was yeah. but I, I also didn't I felt like should I say something or not or I mean I didn't know what to do so if something like that happens what yeah that's a hard one because um, you have to again with the signs you have to take a bunch of these signs put together so if you see a tattoo that doesn't necessarily mean they're being trafficked but there are going to be certain tattoos or brands out there that are going to be specific to trafficking like gang symbols if you know them um, and they're in certain places you might be a little bit more interested in seeing if there's other signs if that makes sense okay yeah so I mean lack of eye contact is a huge sign of trafficking however that also can be a lot of different other things if that makes more sense yeah so, so uh, and if they do not make eye contact mm -hmm. with you yeah. that that could be because mm -hmm. that's sort of a signal in the trafficking the, world, it right? It is. It's another unspoken language between traffickers. Um, if a girl, for instance, is walking on the street um, working yeah. and she makes eye contact with another trafficker that's not her, she's automatically owned by that trafficker. So the original trafficker will have to pay to get her back, and then you know from there it gets worse. She has to work harder to pay off that debt, and it's going to be punished for making eye contact in the first place. So it gets it's very complicated so we learn that's one of the very first things that we learn is not to make eye contact I still to this day struggle with eye contact with some yeah. people yeah. gosh okay some other signs um, let's see um, when somebody goes from being modestly dressed to not and it's not a gradual process it's literally overnight so if you know somebody who's very calm and, and collected and either um, starts dressing very provocatively or goes from being um, an extrovert to being really, really introverted or again going to the other extreme, especially with little kids where they're overly sexualized. They want to climb in your lap. They want hugs. They constantly want you touching them. Um, those are signs that there's something very, very wrong going and, on. 
the age really is from as young as, well, I mean, any age. Yeah, I've worked with kids as young as two. Um, two years old. Two years old. When I was in Thailand, there was a young child that was in, in the hospital for a reconstructive surgery due to the abuse that she <sighs> suffered. And then I knew of a woman that was 59 um, who was being trafficked, um, labor trafficking. But also a lot of people don't understand when people are labor trafficked, a lot of the times they are also sexually exploited. So you just have to keep that in mind. And these, um, I mean, they're, it's horrible. It's just a horrible way of life. Yeah. So. And again, nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Nobody likes to talk about it. And the one thing that uh, I heard somebody say at, at one point, once you come out with your story, mm-hmm. there will be people that will treat you differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I, when I heard that, I was like, I don't know. That can't be. That can't be. That's totally true. It is true. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I mean, like, I would think that people would want to extend some, you know, some compassion. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of people like that. But but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) But I think there are, um, because this is such a dark subject, I think ignorance is bliss to a lot of people. So if they ignore it, even if you tell them, if they say, well, that's just can't be accurate or that's just not reality and, and then shy away from you, I think it's because It'll go denial away. for them is a good place to be, right? Um, they just don't want to admit that it's true because then they don't have to do anything about it themselves. They don't have to feel guilty about it. or um, I, That's what I take from that because I do. I get treated either... I get put on a pedestal as I am like this big brave person that's come out of my story, which I, I understand why you are a big brave person. <laughs> Thank so. you, but uh, in in some aspects, I, I want to be treated like a normal person too, right? And then there's the other where they shy away from me because uh, they just don't know what to say. I think yeah. it's just I suppose that's just how it is. But, <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's hard. But you you have to know that. You, you're like, you've changed a lot of people's lives. Aww. I mean, you really have. And I mean, I'll speak for myself. I mean, it was life-changing for me. You know, I'm 57. And it was definitely something that impacted me so significantly that, uh, anyway, I'm just glad that I'm grateful for everything you're doing. And I read, um, I think it was yes, just yesterday, when I say Tim Tebow, do you know who I'm talking about? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So Tim Tebow has found a foundation. Are you aware of his foundation? His father actually founded it. Okay. And he just has joined on, you know, because I think yeah. he's like, he had no clue. And so once he became aware, he was like, there's no way I can step back and not do anything, especially with my fame. I can use this. So, um, yeah, it's a great, great organization. Yeah. Doing. So finally... We've got somebody in the you know that's noteworthy, yeah. who you know celebrity status. Yeah. Not that you're not a celebrity. <laughs> in my own right. But <laughs> but really, I mean, is really bringing this subject, yeah. uh, building some awareness Absolutely. and bringing it to the forefront, which is exactly what yeah. we need. How do you feel our community, like North Houston, is doing with this very difficult subject? Yeah, I think problem. I think we have a lot of work left to do, but um, keep this in perspective. We are one of the largest states in the United States, so trafficking numbers are going to be a lot higher here. Um, as much of us as a, 
problem that we have here in the state of Texas. We also are the number one state that is combating trafficking so people need to understand that we are doing some hard work we're out there changing laws we have nine new laws that were just passed last year that most other states haven't even considered on their docket to be okay. put out there so so what are a couple of those laws oh uh, now it's now a felony to buy sex in the state of texas we are the only state that has um um come with that uh, come out with that law and that just got passed last year another so, one but keep in mind 2900 yeah a day yeah but that was that's within the last five years right. so that hopefully that number is going to start being curved because right. we are doing more which is great yes but they, no but uh, like other states don't consider it a felony not yet no that's crazy it's a misdemeanor, it's a misdemeanor. that's yeah it's like in, in other stealing states, bubble gum at yeah. a convenience store <laughs> yes in other states they don't even charge them for a misdemeanor they're going after the girls still or they're going after the traffickers which that's a whole nother thing but um yeah there's still some states that of victimize the the women and the men um, within this the, rather than the buyers and the, the traffickers and pimps themselves so another law is we know it's now mandatory for um, uh, say even a hairstylist has to go through human trafficking training in the state of texas in order to get their license um, that's awesome because that's letting because they don't have a clue that sometimes the girls sitting in their seats getting their hair done and and mm-hmm. their nails done are being there or being placed in that seat by their pimp mm-hmm. so that they can look better going out on the on their job you know so um just literally educating people in the state of texas is mandatory um, and, and i assume all teachers teachers have to go through some yeah police officers um i think a lot of businesses are getting on board with it as well um, another school schools there's now a no trafficking zone in the state of texas so basically there's harsher p- penalties for trafficking on school grounds like drugs or um or felony like guns um so that's different from other states um the massage parlors there's a there's a law that was passed uh, i don't know if you understand that there's gosh over 400 massage parlors that are really brothels in the city limits of Houston. Of Houston. Yeah, and so there's a law now that the owners of these facilities are, can be held liable if they willingly know that there's sex trafficking going on in their facilities. And I'm assuming if it, it can be in he, here in Houston, mm-hmm. it can be anywhere, yeah. because I'm, yeah. I'm happy to say that we do have listeners mm-hmm. in Canada, Australia. Yeah. Europe, so I um, want, want them to be aware of this too. Yeah, and the massage parlors are, are everywhere. They are, and there's a, there's a lot of legitimate ones, and then there's the ones that are literally just fronts for brothels. Yeah, but if they're legitimate, it's, it, I would think. You can tell the difference, yeah, yeah if I you mean, know what to look for. If, yeah. <laughs> if you walk, well, first of all, you walk up and it's little signage. Yeah, tinted dra- windows, yeah, cameras outside, you have to be buzzed in, things like that. That's a You have to be buzzed in. It's yeah. probably not anywhere you should be. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay. Most people don't think they even think of those things. So they're just like, well, this is odd. And then they walk in and they're like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, uh, I've walked into some of these massage parlors and in the foyer, there's a mattress on the floor of the, the lobby area. <laughs> so that's oh kind gosh. of a huge sign. I'm laughing. It's not funny, but it's um to me that's ignorance at its finest if you don't really know what that's going on there you know absolutely and and so my first reaction is why can't they just why can't the police just go in there and close it down um well they have to have proof first and there's a then, mattress on the floor yeah but you have to prove that there's something going on there 
regardless okay. of just imagine. I know what you're saying, but yeah. to me it's like. And then you also have to understand that they close down one and three more show up the next day. Yeah. Um, it is as much work as Texas is doing, which they're doing great work. They are touching on the tip of the iceberg, honestly. Um, there is so much to human trafficking. It's very complicated. It's not like the movie Taken. It is not black and white, and so you can't say, well, this is what it looks like, because it's very, very different for every single person. So that's why it's so hard to prosecute. That's why it's so hard to get a handle on it. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, you, uh, you hold a survivor position on the board of the Montgomery County Coalition Against Human Trafficking and serve as a survivor leader counsel for the state of Texas. So obviously, you've been recognized for all of your efforts. Um, and again, thank you. How did you get to those positions? Um, well, I, I showed up, and I continue okay. to show up. Uh, I wanted to know what was going on in our communities and who was really making a difference. And that coalition for Montgomery um, is a coalition that was very, very proud of because they were doing a lot um, that other communities were starting to take note of and wanting to model after. And I wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were creating change. Wherever there's change going, I want to help with that. And so I spoke with them, and they just had me come on. So you think Montgomery County, which is north of Houston, mm -hmm. uh, doing a little bit better than Houston itself? Yes, um, personal opinion, but yes, because in the, in the main difference in the beginning with the Montgomery County Coalition is the people running it were the DA's office and law enforcement. Most other coalitions, that is not the case, and that makes a big, big difference. It really does. Um, the Just the uh, notoriety that comes with that. And uh, knowing that this is being run by legitimate people working in that field. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. All right. That's a big deal. Very good. Tell us about the uh, Goya Care Initiative. Oh, yeah. So Goya Foods started um, an initiative, I want to, about a, two years ago, I think. And they, were, they wanted to give $2 million, donate $2 million for, uh, for child sex trafficking. And they wanted to create a educational film that could be gone, that could be used in schools mm -hmm. um, to reach these kids. Um, and so they brought me and another survivor, a leader, in, and actually in the area to come on board and, and consult on that. And then they flew us out to um, LA to film this. And they came up with a, about a 27-minute film that's absolutely um, well done. Um, but the reason why it's well done is because they brought survivor leaders and said, okay, tell us the accuracy of it. And we did. We just would rip it to shreds. And, and Did you really? Oh, yeah. And, and I love that they did that because they truly wanted it to be accurate. They didn't, they didn't care how much we ripped it to shreds. They wanted it to be right on. And So, so why? Why Goya? Why, what was their motivation? I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah. But like, what? I think they just—if you know Bob, who who's the um, founder and owner of Goya—he has such a humble uh, heart. Really wants to help people. He really wants to reach the the less fortunate communities. Mm -hmm. um, and and Goya was had the means to do so, and they were just like, we're going to use this and we're going to help. So I wish more more people would do yeah, that. I'm thinking like, what about McDonald's, yeah. Coca-Cola? <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah. GM, yeah. you know, I mean, we have some big companies yeah. in this country. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it's so good that you went out and, and helped with that film. Mm -hmm. Were you with a group or mm -mm. it was just you? Just me, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they can. Um, so I'm in their PSA. They have a, a two minute PSA that they announced this. Mm -hmm. And then the, the film, 
I just really was helping consult on this script, and then when I flew out there, was rearranging things on on scene, and then they threw me in the film at the end yeah. too. So <laughs> that just happened on, you know, Gosh. last minute. But good, good. So, are you are you out speaking uh, throughout the country then? Yes. Yeah, I speak all over. Um, mm-hmm. I was in South Dakota two weeks ago. Yep. I'm now have been asked to be on their um, survivor council for their state, as well as Omaha. So that was the really nice of them to ask me to be a part of that, considering I'm from Texas, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I um, work with Call to Freedom, which is up in South Dakota, and we have formed a relationship. But we work with nonprofits all over. We work with another one called Youth uh, Underground, who's over in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, Alabama, we have, you know, wherever somebody wants us to come in and help, we want to be there to help. So, um, and then training up others so they can just take it and run from there. So, wow. Yeah. That, that is so great, everything that you're doing and so important. We really need more of you. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if uh, I see this person in, as I mentioned earlier, in the convenience store, mm-hmm. tattoo behind the ear. Yeah. And it seems like, okay, I think this person is really being trafficked. What do I do? First thing you need to do, if it's an emergency, like if this is somebody that you don't know and you really feel like this is happening, call 911. You call 911 for any other emergency, I consider that an emergency because you don't know where she's going to go after that, right? Yeah. If it's somebody you know and you know their whereabouts or if somebody wants to get out of the life or somebody who just really needs help, there is a human trafficking hotline number. You would call it, you give all the details, they, they bring it back to the task force within that area, and then they start an investigation from what's, there. What's the number? Let's it's, throw that out uh, there. It's 1-888-373-7888. Okay. Yeah. One more time, just yeah. not to quiz you, but <laughs> I want to make sure our <laughs> listeners I, get I it. give this out about five times a week, so it's a 1-888-373-7888. Perfect. Yeah. Wonderful. Now you are you're on a mission, yeah. and you're making a difference. You you've already made a huge impact on the community. You're going to make a big impact on the country, the world. I, I really believe that. What are some of your goals and ambitions? Where do you want to see yourself and everything that you've achieved over the next five to ten years? Oh, that's a loaded question, Jeff. Just mostly because everything that have done in the last uh, five years I would say the majority of has happened in the last year a lot has changed but it's really given me a vision of where I want to take HOJ and that's um, we started we opened our economic empowerment center in Conroe and it's uh, awesome yeah I love it um, but that is something that this country has not seen yet for trafficking survivors what what most people think is that once these men and women come out of that life they go into safe homes um, but let me put that into perspective yeah, for you. Yeah, let me describe that. Yeah, um, there are 400 beds in this uh, nation for trafficking survivors, only 400. And we just told you earlier there's 313,000 victims just in the state of Texas. So that can put a little bit of things in perspective. There's not enough funding, there's not enough beds, not enough places for these men and women to go. So what that means is that they are doing life on their own after severe trauma with no guidance on, on how to get back to a normal way of living. And so that's what our Economic Empowerment Center does, is we, we follow them, uh, we basically walk alongside them after the life and say, if you need help with job skills, let's get you job skills. If you need help with a, a scholarship to go to college because that's your dream, then let's give you a scholarship and get you going. 
we deal with housing, we deal with um, support groups that are led by survivors, so they have places to go and be around like-minded people. We get them in the and therapy. Those, yeah. And they're all trained. Yes, yes, they are all very much trained. Um, we, we get them in the therapy, we get them, um, you know, we're working with them on what they need versus what we think that they need, so they, if that makes sense. So, it makes a big difference, Yeah, it right? does, it does, it really does. Because everybody's different. Yes, so yeah. we, we do, we customize it to their need. And have you come across, I'm sure you have, where um, some have gotten out of the trafficking situation and then just couldn't, for whatever reason, went back because they were either scared, they felt like that was their, I hate to even say it, but like their comfort zone, but is, have yeah. you seen that? Yes, I would say probably once a week. We have uh, an individual or I hear of an individual because I work nationwide, it's, yeah. it's different, but um, that goes back. Um, it takes an average of seven times to officially leave an abusive situation like that. Wait, it takes an average of seven times? Seven times, For yeah. somebody to completely leave yes. that situation yes and majority of them will not ever get out that's just sad reality um so that is the so out of the 313,000 160,000 are going to stay in that Probably. over half yeah they say one to two percent are really the numbers of those that actually get out onto life that actually gets rescued or or um, leave themselves that's not a lot not at all and so that's it's the hardest part of my job is knowing that um, when it's a child you can do something about it you can call law enforcement because they don't really um, because there's laws against children but if you're over the age of 18 they will they have to be in a place where they want to leave and it has to be their choice so we can't force them like we can a child and put them somewhere so uh, again if they're not ready um, you can't oh do anything gosh. for them yeah so 10 years from now, what are you going to be doing? I would like to see more um, economic empowerment centers open across the country. Training up survivors is my passion. I want, um, I mean, I'm 44 years old, so I'm not going to be doing this forever, but I want the next generation to be able to step up and fill shoes like mine, but do it in a way that wasn't as hard for me because I, I had to go, I had to learn the hard way. I don't want them to have to learn the hard way. I want to, I want to direct them and help them reach that level and, and uh, make a difference in others as well. So that's my goal, really, more than anything, is to see others step up. So have any other uh, nonprofit organizations come through your new center and said, this is what we need? And yeah, many, actually. Awesome. Many. Uh, I work with Redeem Ministries in the area. They're, they are a safe house. And so once their girls graduate the program, they will come to us. Um, because they know how needed it is. They can't just go right back out in the streets and say, okay, well, you just did a two-year program. Now you're on your own. Now you have to continue to walk alongside them. Um, a lot of people have said that they need a center like this in the city limits of Houston, which they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and now other states are starting to, um, that I work with, are starting to say, okay, this is a gap area. This is an area that's really needed. Let's at least focus on some aspect of it within our program. It's good that it's getting acknowledged that this is the way the future is for trafficking survivors, yeah. really, and not safe housing so much. Well, it'd be it'd be wonderful to see some of these centers in big metropolitan areas. Absolutely. You know, downtown Houston, Chicago, mm-hmm. New York, yeah. L.A. They need them. They do. For Absolutely. sure. You know, trafficking yeah. occurs everywhere. It sure does. <laughs> and if you're up in South Dakota, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's up in Canada. Yeah. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah. There's no yeah. limit. 
No. Um, it has been acknowledged and um, cases have uh, come up in every single uh, state in the United States and in every country in the world. There's trafficking. There is no exception. If there's people, there's trafficking, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah. So how do you suggest people talk about this very difficult subject? I mean, it, it is difficult. I mean, I'll just speak for myself. I mean, it's, you know, it's not easy to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to have a willingness of wanting to learn and get educated, and then you can have these hard conversations because uh, I don't think you can have them if you really don't know what to look for and you really don't know what to do if you do, you know, uh, see something. Um, so getting educated will allow you to be knowledgeable and less fearful of it so that you mm -hmm. can have these conversations. If you have children as young as eight or nine, I would start having those conversations with them then. Rather than them not having any conversations or knowledge of this even occurring and learning it from somebody else when they're in their teens. You mm -hmm. know? So uh, if you're a parent, I just say get educated and, and have these conversations with your children. As far as um, getting out there and sharing with the rest of the world, that's got to be a personal Preference of knowing this 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 is happening all around you. This mm -hmm. is kids at your church. This is adults at your church. This is uh, at schools. It's in daycares. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I do think kids need to be educated really Absolutely. early. Yes. You know, I, I know yes. that I scared my kids early. early yeah, enough. yeah. <laughs> well, I have a lot of families that come to me and they say, "Well, we're, we're scared of this." And I'm like, "Well, there's you should be." Yeah. But the yes. more you know, because knowledge is power. The more you know, the less you'll be scared. I say that because if you know what to look for, then you're gonna know what to do, right? right. And if you don't, right. if you don't know those things, then yes, I'd be fearful. But if you learn, you at least have the power to change it, right? Yeah. And so I, I'm such an adamant uh, advocate for education. Oh, we absolutely can't can't get enough of that. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting how. I'll just give you an example. So uh, I was asked, you know, as we all get asked on occasion, well, what do you do for a living? <laughs> you know, so that's an easy question yeah. to answer. Mm -hmm. um, that, but I've also been asked, well, what do you do for our community? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know, I don't get asked that question very often, but happy to talk about what I do. And one of the things that I do is that I sit on the board of Hands of Justice, which I'm very proud of. Yeah. And so then the question is, oh, well, what's Hands of Justice? They'll have to talk about what it is. And it's like, oh. <laughs> People don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I get it. I, but, you know, my reaction is, you know what? This is a really important cause. I'm passionate about it. You should learn more. I'm happy to talk about it if you want to learn something about it. I also tell this to people, is as gloomy as a subject this is, there is such hope and such redemption of the survivors that I have worked with. And so I get to see that side of it. And so we like to share more on that part of it than on the doom and gloom of our past. Yeah. So we want people to see the Because we can't live in the past. Yes, but also if that's all we're focusing on, then what's the point right. of any of this? Because right. That we're not trying to keep these men and women in their past. We want them to move forward into their future and talk about, hey, okay, within the last five years, I have changed so much, but in such positive ways, and I've been able to do it because of this. And um, that's what we want to focus on the most. Very good. So, Becca, if you wanted to share at least two nuggets that people, out of this whole podcast episode, that people will need to walk away with two nuggets of information what would those be 
again, I'm going to go back to education. Please get educated. Please know that the things that you're seeing on TV and in the movies and in the news are not accurate. Um, and that there's just so much more to this than what you're, you're being taught. Um, I always say that this is an individualistic crime, meaning, again, that every story is different. Every person that has come through this has walked different lives. There's some overlapping, um, uh, I, I don't even know how to word it, overlap between um, stories. But the majority of this is just very different, very individualistic. and so. I think if you have the understanding of that going in and learning about it, you're going to better understand what's really happening all around you. And then that's the other thing is to realize and recognize this is happening all around you. Yeah. Um, Don't put your head in the sand. No, it is in, again, in the schools, in the churches, it is in your neighborhoods, it's in the, the classy high rent neighborhoods now, I and mean, like the Woodlands and Willas. Um, but there are things that can be done to help keep you and your kids safe. It, it happens everywhere. Everywhere. You said every country. Every country. I believe it yeah. completely. Yeah. Becca, thank you so much for being here. Thanks I've for said this me. before, I'll say it again. You are such an inspiration. Oh, and I'm just so proud and pleased to be part of uh, what you're doing with Hands of Justice. Well, I'm glad you're on board. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the Understandable Solutions podcast. I know this episode was a little bit different subject matter. We usually talk about business or something in current events, but you know what? This is a current event. This is something that we all need to be aware of. I'm passionate about it. This isn't the last time you're going to hear me talk about it. And please, please get educated, just as Becca talked about. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to my sponsor, Outstanding DNA, Underwear on a Mission. And again, that code, if you go to outstandingdna.com, is S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. You enter that code and you get your first order at 15% off. So thank you so much to my sponsor, Outstanding DNA. Becca Carey, again, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, thank you for checking in and listening to this podcast, a very important one. I hope today was a great day, everyone. I hope tomorrow is even better. Peace, everyone.